back for another exciting episode of The Spicy Life. I am your host, Spicy Mari, and joined with me in today's G-Spot for The Spicy Life episode, How to Heal Your Relationship with Food, is Jamie Reeves. And Jamie is a marriage and family therapist in West LA and holds specializations in eating disorders, couples therapy, trauma, and addiction. Integrating a wide variety of clinical approaches, she uses collaboration, compassion, and understanding to help guide her clients through wherever they may be in their own personal journey. She is dedicated to the emotional emancipation of women of color, and she holds monthly women's groups in the pursuit of freedom from transgenerational trauma, clearing space to live a life of love and balance. Woo! Everybody welcome Jamie in the (laughs) G-Spot. Jamie, the G-Spot is... You know, a play on words. It's guest spotlights, okay. but um, we are going to get into the G spot in a little bit. But <laughs> somehow I incorporate everything, sex and relationships back into <laughs> the spicy life. And so today we're talking about how to heal your relationship with food. Okay. So blessed to have you here. But I always warm up my guests with a few things. Okay. And uh, SPICY stands for self, passion, intimacy, communication, and learning to say yes to your lover. So I want you to start off with telling us. When did you first fall in love with yourself? Oh, what a loaded question. <laughs> I think it was the day, I'm gonna get a little dark for a second. Okay, get dark it, with us. It was the day I decided to take my body back. Mm. I had, when, in my 20s, I had been assaulted twice. Oh my God. And it took me about a decade to even experience an orgasm after that, um, to be, you know, comfortable in my own skin. It was a difficult road, but it was my 30th birthday. Mm. I will never forget. I was down in Santa Monica, turning it up, and it was like a wave that came over me. I was like, you know what? I'm walking into a new decade in my life. Yeah. I refuse to carry this forward. Mm. It was like a switch. So you had a conversation with yourself. You made a decision. I did. And you weren't having sex. I was not. You were you orgasming? Not at all. Not even touching yourself, pleasuring yourself. It physically hurt. Mm. Physically hurt, and it was all mental. There was nothing physically wrong with me, but there was physical pain there to even touch, to think about. So the day that you decided to take your power back, Mm -hmm. to take your life back, to love yourself again, were you able to orgasm after that? Oh my goodness, it was a good night, girl. <laughs> you know, I had a nice you know, time. You know, I had, you had to make her get a little freaky with us, okay? <laughs> no, I, I'm, so, I'm happy and appreciate, and our audience appreciates you sharing your testimony with us because a lot of us aren't speaking about what has been done to us, the, you know, the trials, the assaults, the, you know, these things are traumatic experiences. And so to just hear experts in the industry say, hey, I experienced this too. But let me tell you, you can heal from it. You can recover from it. And this is how you do it. And so is this how you discovered your life's passion and purpose? Because that's the next question. How, the P for passion. How did you discover your passion? So that happened a little uh, earlier. And I think by discovering my passion, I discovered my freedom. Mm. So I was in this relationship with a much older man um, who wanted to marry me. I had the ring. I was engaged. Things were lovely. But he was very controlling. Mm. Been um, there. Yeah. You know, wanted to basically, you know, uh, orchestrate when I was having children, how I was having children. I couldn't work. All of these things. Um, really isolating. 
And I decided, you know what? I'm going to sneak behind his back and I'm going to go to grad school. Ooh, so you didn't even tell him you were going to school. No, mm -mm. Planning a wedding and everything. Went to grad school, knew it would interrupt everything, did it anyways. How did you go to class without him knowing? He was a busy man. He I'm was, like, you know, he was controlling, but he wasn't that good at his job. He, he really wasn't. <laughs> he, was the most, like, he, he did a lot of traveling for work. So he was always traveling in and out of the country. So I had a lot of alone time. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, I you know, entered grad school. I was there for, for one semester. Mm -hmm. He found me out, got caught. Okay, you did get caught. I did. Okay. <laughs> and it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. It's a huge blow up. We broke up. Say la vie. Um, but it was the first time in my adult life that I stood up for myself. Mm. That I decided to claim my space, claim my vision, and not let anybody or any fear dissuade me from it. So finding my passion really kind of emboldened me and gave me the courage to yeah. do other things. A lot of times we don't even realize that some of the traumatic experiences that have happened to our lives or some of the poor decisions that we've made and yeah. people and you know just life experiences lead us to our passion and to our purpose. And so everything, you know, they say everything happens for a reason, but like the positive side of things happening is because it does help our relationship with self. It does help our relationship with the outside, the environment, the universe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and as long as we learn from that, we're able to move forward from that. It's when we don't learn <laughs> that we get a little stucky <laughs> stuck. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You have to give me the eye, the intimacy. What is your biggest turn on girl? A man who knows what he wants. Mm. Okay, there's I think I'm with sexier. you on that. Nothing like, sexy. Like, what? You just going to tell me what to do, daddy? Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it took me a long time to be independent and to claim what I want. Yeah. And I can respect it in my partner. Yeah. You know, and I'm willing to give and take. And I think there's it's a beautiful dance that you can play with one another. I love it. You know? I love it. Let's play this dance, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Let's salsa dance together. Okay, what's the best compliment you ever received? This is C for communication. You feel like home. Somebody said you feel like home? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. A client. Oh, I yeah. love that. Okay, mm -hmm. it came from a client. That's yeah. sweet. Mm -hmm. it, totally sweet. Um, it was one of my uh, trauma clients. Um, really pervasive, persistent, chronic <laughs> trauma. Uh, childhood through adulthood. Um, a lot of sexual abuse. And when you decide as, as a person who's experienced that to trust a stranger yeah with all your secrets and your pain it's it takes a lot of courage and I feel like it's my my duty to m create a space where they feel safe enough to do that and so when they told me that I was like oh I'm doing oh. a good job you guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's exactly what I mean. I mean you feel safe you feel yeah. like home that's amazing because we don't have a lot of people that we can just 100% share yeah. everything with so the fact that somebody entrusted you with their trust yeah mm -hmm. that's a big deal you have to give us the why for yes what is your biggest fear my biggest fear is reverting back to the old me mm. and the old you being give me a word to describe that invisible mm. yeah I was invisible to myself invisible to the people around me and not because um, of anything intrinsically wrong with me, but because I chose to be invisible out of fear. Um, but once I discovered my purpose, yeah, all of that shed away. I was going to say, how do, for people who want to be seen, who feel unseen, mm -hmm. 
how do they get to the point to where they don't feel invisible anymore to the to you know to to make sure that they are seen is it does it come with discovering your purpose because what if they feel like well i did discover my purpose and i felt unseen mm -hmm. like is it something specific that they can do to feel more seen i think it starts with being honest with yourself whether you have a, a conceptualization of what purpose looks like for you being able to look in the mirror and say i see you you've got to be visible to yourself first before you request or require anybody else to do it for you Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. You mm -hmm. need to see you before yeah. you can expect anybody else. And so that's yeah. why today's episode about how to heal your relationship with food is so important, because I think that a lot of times we talk about relationships, dating and sex on this show 24 seven. But there's so <laughs> many things that we have relationships with that affect our wholeness, our relationships with other people that we don't even yes. take into consideration. Absolutely. So I'm always thinking big picture, like what are what other relationships do we have, whether it's relationship with money, whether it's relationship with food that affects our personal lives. So the other way that I warm up my guests before we dive right into the topic is the spicy dish. So you have to give me your two cents. Are you a, a Stranger Things fan by chance? I am not. Okay. It's okay. I won't judge you the way that I judge people who don't watch Game of Thrones. But the headlines for today's spicy dish is Netflix to snuff out smoking on most original programming. So Netflix is going to have to buy a lot of nicotine gum and patches for its characters as the streaming giant seeks to stamp out smoking in most of their original programming. So in one of my favorite shows on Netflix, there is a lot of smoking. Um, that is in front of children. That is, you know, you'll even see the kids doing it. This is a show that was uh, 80s, 90s, 80s, I essentially think. Yeah, it's an 80s program. Um, and Stranger Things is one of the major ones where you see a lot of children, you see a lot of adults who are habitual smokers. Right. How they're going to change and take out <laughs> all this smoking and a lot of their programming, I don't know. But they're limiting their scenes on smoking in their higher rated shows um, because a lot of people are finding it offensive. A lot of anti-smoking groups um, the Truth Initiative are coming forward and saying that it's offensive, that it's depicted in 100% of its episodes. Mm -hmm. um, as a, someone who grew up seeing smokers, uh, I did not become a smoker because I saw, <laughs> I was like, I grew up with D.A.R.E. to keep kids off drugs. It was very effective for me. But then I ran into, I was in Vegas um, this weekend turning up for 4th of July and I had some friends that I was like, oh my God, D.A.R.E. actually worked for me. I didn't get into drugs. Like, you know, a lot of people who did experience when they were younger, even if they grew up in the household with drugs, because one, I was afraid of what the outcome would be and how it would affect my life. But also two, I mean, you know, my mom put the fear of God in my heart. And even if she wasn't watching, she said he was. So dare to keep kids off of drugs was like highly prevalent in our schools. Did you grow up with dare? Absolutely. Um, I remember Smokey the Bear. I really don't remember much of Dare, but I remember that I Smokey was Smokey the Bear was to well, stop something else. Forest, forest, forest fires. fires. Yeah. <laughs> Something. Smoke, smoke was involved, okay? <laughs> yes, exactly. But my friends in Vegas had said they never even heard of D.A.R.E., that they didn't mm. grow up with the D.A.R.E. program. And I'm like, wait, so who, all you had was your mom and dad telling you not to do drugs? Like, mm. there was no police officer in the school system, no you know, police dogs coming through, making you know, sure you didn't do it? It was very popular on the East Coast, um, that D.A.R.E. program. But for me, it was my family example, you know, because I was in and out of school. I was a little oblivious. Um, to, to the goings-ons um, in classes, but... Oh, well, it's nice to know you came out on top, see? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was a dreamer, you know, but 
for me, it was my family. My father is a, used to be a chain smoker, heavy drinker. He was a Vietnam vet, mm. you know? I mean, most of his service records redacted. He did some crazy things that he'll hint at, Yeah, you know? So he had a lot of addiction issues, but it never once crossed my mind, oh, I should do that, you know? And, and I'll share a little story. I think it's funny. My, my father will probably cringe. Um, I remember going into my parents' bedroom while he was asleep. He was really knocked out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he had this huge glass of what I thought was water on his nightstand. Uh-oh. And, you know, I love my daddy, so I'm going to have what he has. I take his little cup and I gulp it down. It's vodka. It's a straight, tall glass Ugh, of vodka. The worst taste in the world. Turned me off for life. <laughs> I'm not suggesting you do that to your children. Vodka straight is <laughs> harsh. And some people are like, it doesn't like have eight. a taste. No, no, vodka has a taste. No, it has a very intense taste that I will <laughs> never forget. Um, I was like eight and I just shot it. And it was, I threw it up right away. But it was, it was a very pivotal point, I think, for me. Because I was like, oh, how could he drink this? Yeah. This is so disgusting. What is, why is this here? I threw it away. Of course, I got in trouble. But he's <laughs> like, you threw away my vodka. I feel like you'd be on timeout. <laughs> but you know, it's. I think it really starts not to sound like a cliche, but it starts at home. Yeah, it's, it's. Those are the people that lay down your foundation for who you're going to be. You know, and it doesn't really matter what the outside forces are telling you if your foundation is solid. Yeah, you know. So, parents, take back your power. It's not the TV's fault that your kids are doing X, Y, and Z. And I know it's easy to scapegoat to point the entertainment. Blame. Absolutely. It's so easy to do. And sure, there is a passive experience that happens in that space. Mm -hmm. But if you want to counteract that passive experience, be active. Well, so yes, parents, I agree with the fact that parents need to definitely be more hands-on, more mm -hmm. like definitely use your power of influence that you yeah. have, whether you think your child is supposed to, you know, do as I say, not as I do. We're watching everything when we're little, we're paying attention to everything. We're picking up on everything for some of us who aren't, who don't have the vodka experience or who aren't <laughs> as you know easy to say, no, I don't want to do this. We see, you know, daddy smoking or drinking or, you know, mom smoking and, and we, yeah. we, we do pick up the habit. There are a lot of people who do pick it Absolutely. up. The images in television though, and in film, do influence us because mm -hmm. if that was if they didn't commercials would not exist like there would be no point i know dang well this weekend we're driving back from vegas we see a dairy queen the first thing my husband says is oh my god i saw the commercial for the mm -hmm. dairy queen um I, I don't know it was some butterscotch dipped or you know the little cones that you could like yeah. dip. okay mm -hmm. so um what was it? There was also a orange flavor too that he was like, I want to change. I want to taste the butterscotch dipped um, caramel and the orange. Like he was literally reciting what he saw in the commercials. He's like, I saw this <laughs> in the commercial. I want to have. I want to try yeah. it. So we pulled over with our friends and we all got a cone of Dairy Queen because of the commercial that mm -hmm. he saw, the imprint that it left. Yeah, I'm sure when he was little, his parents told him monitor how much ice cream you eat, but. As an adult, <laughs> making an adult decision, <laughs> I can have you decide, all the ice cream. Yeah, you can have all the ice cream you want. Mm -hmm. So there has, there is some something to these images that we're seeing. These, you know, yeah. I know when I see a Twix commercial and I love Twix, I'm picking up a Twix. Right. Well, absolutely. And you know, just a little little backstory. I used to do advertising uh -huh. for radio. Oh, perfect. So I do know what you're talking about. Um, but again, it's it's passive influence. Yeah. You know, and if you don't if you don't know yourself, if you are easily influenced then yes that's going to be something that's going to 
root inside of you. It's going to tie you up and it's going to lead you in whatever direction it wants. I was very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, been you there, know? done that. Um, that, was, that was ages ago. But what I see is when, when you talk about kids, give them the benefit of the doubt that they're smarter than you think. You know, if you give them options and you explain it, this is a good option. Most times they're going to pick the good option. It sounds like education where ed- we have to yeah. educate our children. Yeah. So that's leading into today's episode then, because I want you to dive into the importance of education, even when it comes to our healthy lifestyles that mm-hmm. we should be living. But unfortunately, as me, the Dairy Queen eater um, <laughs> this past weekend, we make sometimes some poor decisions that affect yeah. us that later on we feel bad about. And one thing that I think that we don't give enough um, power or credibility to or we throw it under the rug is our relationship with food. Mm-hmm. And so you in your office deal, I think you said with a lot of, um, you were telling me, uh, you call it binge, 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 purge. binge purgers. Okay. Mm-hmm. So today's episode is, you know, how to heal our relationship with food. Mm-hmm. What are some of the signs that we have an unhealthy relationship with food? What mm-hmm. what should we be paying attention to so that I know whether I'm just greedy as fuck or <laughs> if I need to get help? Right. So the benchmark for clinical diagnosis is if it interrupts your daily functioning. Okay. Right. And so that's a really broad spectrum because how you interact on a daily basis, it looks vastly different from how, what I do, Yeah. right? So what you really wanna look for is um, emotional cues that tell you why you're doing things. So for instance, if I'm eating to suppress something, if I'm upset and the only way I can feel good is to fill up that emotional hole with something tangible and solid, that's probably a problem, right? So food is not a tool. It is nourishment, right? So if you're using it as a function to feel something different, there's something to look at there. And what we're looking for to feel different is the euphoric feeling that the ice cream gives me or the hamburger gives me. I mean, double doubles make me feel delicious while I'm eating them. And then afterwards, I'm like, Mm -hmm. damn it, why did I eat that again? (laughs) Right. So that to me is a a slightly different. It's very nuanced, Mm -hmm. right? So let me give you an example um, I'm, I have in the past worked with um, clients who will stuff themselves until they feel pain and then feel the relief of throwing it up. Okay. Right? And so it's an exercise in control. Mm. I'm using food to control my environment, to control my body because everything else is out of control. Mm. So in that instance, I'm using food as a tool to exercise something that I can't any, in any other form. But what about the ones who aren't, okay, so that is, oh my God, that's incredible that you are saying it's a tool used as control, but what about those who aren't throwing up that are actually Mm -hmm. stuffing themselves and letting their food digest? Mm -hmm. They may be, oh, I don't have a problem Mm because I'm not throwing up. You know, usually we're looking for the signs that we saw, you know, from our after school specials, say by the bell, Jessica Spano, she's on caffeine pills. I'm not on caffeine pills. Therefore, you know, I don't have a problem with control. Like, Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Like what, you know, what about those who aren't going to the extremity of throwing mm-hmm. up, but we are going to the extreme of overindulging? You really have to kind of look at what, where is your limit to excessiveness, right? I think we all struggle with this, especially in this day and age when everything is so accessible to yeah. us. Um, 
we definitely do fall into that space. But again, there's, so there's the clinical diagnostic viewpoint, and then there's quality of life, right? So I think most of us uh, fall into quality of life, right? We have a stressful day. We just want it to go away. We want it to be expedient. Um, we don't want to work for that pleasure. So we pick the easy thing. Yeah. That's going to instantly feed us that. But it's very short-lived, which is where the guilt or the shame comes in. It's always on the tail. If you're having that dance, you're doing something out of character, mm. right? Guilt and shame should never show up when you're indulging in a snack. Dang it. You know? Okay, so the reason why I say the word us when I'm talking about this is because mm -hmm. this is something that hits home for me. Mm -hmm. I'm very vulnerable with my audience. I am a relationship, when it, um, a relationship expert, but I too grew up with several challenges in the home, you know, that I, that till this day, you know, have affected me that I've gotten mm -hmm. help for, but that I acknowledge and realize I have to share my testimony similar to you mm -hmm. so that people understand, you know, I too have experienced vices or, you know, illnesses or weakness, whatever word you want to use to describe our, you know, past experiences. I now use them as a strength to be able to use my platform to educate, encourage, and inspire. Mm -hmm. So, one thing that I acknowledge is I got, I have still <laughs> a relationship with food, okay? I've kicked mm -hmm. a lot of bad habits. Food is a challenging one for me. And I recently saw a special um, that Pretty Little Things had done, and this is like a clothing company that has a podcast as well. And they posted a video of Miguel's um, wife. I'm going to look up her name in just a second because I love her to death. She's gorgeous. But Miguel's wife um, was talking about her addiction to diet pills mm. and mm -hmm. how she realized it was a problem when she was popping them every day and had this like high level of like perfection that she was aspiring to and didn't want to have to do the hard work and dedication of, you know, really limiting what you ate, working out, exercising regularly. She was using the pills. And as someone who I will take every diet pill known to man to try to control my weight because they come from a family that struggles with obesity. I'm now realizing like I have a relationship with food. What like many other people can we be doing? Because it does affect my relationship. I'm not going to mm -hmm. lie. I've hid candy bar wrappers. I've done it. So <laughs> I can't possibly be the only one. If no. I've done it, I know somebody else has done it. No, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's more common than you think, you know, and um, especially, and this is, this is something that I, that I really want to say because I feel like they get left in the dark. Men go through this at a high rate. Too. Right. They experience body image dysmorphia. Like absolutely. Um, so for me, the way that I, view every client is I look at what are some barriers to balance that existed early on in um, significant milestones. So childhood, adolescence, young adulthood, right? What you'll find a lot of the times is some type of emotional disruption. Mm. You know, now it, it might for some be excessive to call it trauma, but um, to me just, thinking in broad spectrum, trauma is something that you cannot shoulder through, right? It's, it's something that happens that throws you off balance and you can't right yourself, Yeah. right? So let's say that seeing the obesity in your family triggers a worry. Oh, for sure, right? yeah. That behavior, just off the cuff, to me, would be stress-related. Mm. Right. I see and the connection, the dots. Uh -huh. So what I would do then is plot a course for us to work on how to decrease your stress overall, how to establish a new baseline for what it feels like to exist in your skin without that presence. 
But what if I'm always thinking about food and everything that I put in my mouth? So even when I do take that bite, even when I do, I'm still, even when I'm dieting, right? I go on these extreme binge diets um, where (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'm not going to eat any carbs for a month. And then I go the next month, like, I'm going to eat everything in front of me. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like this. I'm an extremist. I'm an extremist when it comes to my passion about life, when it comes to relationships. No matter what I do, I'm an extremist. So if I'm dieting, I'm dieting extreme. <laughs> if I'm purging, binging, whatever, I'm doing it extreme. Right. Um, how do I not think about the food so much? So it's a misdirect, right? So when you think about a thought, you think harder about that thought, right? you don't want to focus on how to stop the thought. You want to focus on an entry, uh, a doorway that's easier for you to manage. For most of us, that's physicality, mm-hmm. right? The body is the easiest thing to adjust. If I'm cold, I put a sweater on. If I'm hot, I take something off, yeah. right? So, okay, you're having all these thoughts. They're ruminating, they're floating, they won't stop. They, they keep knocking at your door. Redirect what's happening physically to you right in this moment when those thoughts are swirling. What typically happens is your heart rate's up, you might be sweaty, you might be itchy, you might be uncomfortable, right? Something physiologically is happening Mm -hmm. to you. Address that. The physical component of what we're experiencing. Mm -hmm. You're right, in a healthy way. Because you're already unconsciously trying to do that by abusing food, Mm. right? You're trying to right the emotional and the mental disarray by controlling your body. So instead of doing it in a toxic way, address the body in a healthy way, right? So what does that look like? It looks like temperature change, right? So stress in the body triggers a um, kind of a a tumbler of things that happen, right? So um, your parasympathetic system switches over to your sympathetic system. It's all autonomic, right? You want us reverse. We want to gain control again, but in an organic, authentic way, not by force. When you force something, it hits you back. Yep. Right? So let's say for me, I'll I'll give you my cues. Um, I sweat when I'm uncomfortable, when I'm nervous, when I, when I need control, when I'm trying to be perfect and I can't, <laughs> you know. The story of all of our lives, I'm when sure. When I'm trying to flip the hair right and <laughs> catch is wrong, I'm like, dang, he missed that, right? <laughs> you know, these things happen and all of a sudden I'm just flushed with heat. Well, instead of thinking about, oh my gosh, I look stupid, da, 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 and I need to fix this, I'm gonna address the flush, right? So maybe I grab my cold cup and I hold it. All you need to do is nudge the needle for something to shift. And then once you nudge it with that, then you try something else. And you, it's building blocks. So you're your, trying different things to take your mind off of the trigger. Well, it goes deeper than that. So you're, you're hacking the body. So when we experience stress, no matter what kind of stress it is, it all looks the same for the most part depending on how you operate. For me, it's heat first, then I get the tingles, then um, I get dry mouth, <laughs> um, and then I might get spasms or stomach pain, right? It doesn't matter what kind of stress it is. It could be work stress, it could be relationship stress, it could be traffic stress. Mm. It all presents itself in a similar fashion. I know what's gonna happen once it starts. Yeah. So 
So whatever doorway I can get into, I need to start turning the clock on it, right? So if I know, okay, the heat, I can feel the heat rising, I need to drop my temperature. Even by a smidgen, it's gonna do what it needs to do. Then, okay, what's the next thing? Maybe it's the tingles. Okay, well, maybe I need to rub um, the fabric on my, on my sweater and stimulate the nerves in my hands so that the tingles can abate, right? Um, maybe I need to do some breath work to control the tightness in my chest so to breathing. open it up and yeah. expand. Once you do count, count, um, counter action to what stress looks like in the body, the body cannot sustain the protocol to be stressful. Mm. Okay, but really quick, I got to show some love to our spicy sponsors. Audible, listening makes us smarter, more connected people, and it makes us better partners, parents, and leaders. There's no better place to start listening than Audible. And I'm absolutely obsessed with my Audible membership. Trust me. <laughs> Audible is where so many inspiring voices and compelling stories open listeners up to new experiences and ways of thinking. As a relationship expert, I am constantly looking to improve my practice and my personal relationships. So a friend of mine is struggling right now with a parent who's terminally ill. So what do I do? I download Cheryl Sandberg's new audiobook, Option B, so I can encourage resilience and joy back in her life and help spice things up. Audible members now get more than ever before. Members choose three titles every month, one audiobook plus two Audible originals that you can't hear anywhere else. Members also have unlimited access to more than 100 audio-guided fitness and meditation programs. That is great because, you know, my astrologist told me I need to do more meditating to expand my matchmaking abilities. <laughs> Audible delivers bestsellers, business, self-improvement, memoirs, and more, all professionally narrated by actors, authors, and motivational superstars like Rachel Hollis, David Goggins, and Mel Robbins, and eventually... Audible will have one from Spicy Mati. I'm working on that right now. Manifestation, okay. Audible members can also get free access to the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and Washington Post delivered daily to the Audible app. With the convenient app, members can access Audible anytime at the gym, while commuting, and on the go. I use mine on the way to Las Vegas. I was listening to my Audible uh, so I can drown the music out that my husband was playing. <laughs> and you can always pick up right where you left off when using Audible. It also offers free and easy audiobook exchanges, credits that you can roll over for a year, and a library you can keep forever, even if you cancel. So you guys, explore all the ways listening on Audible can help improve mind, body, and soul with entertainment, information, and inspiration. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial and your first audiobook plus two Audible originals are free. Visit audible.com slash spicy life or text spicy life to 500-500. Once again, visit audible.com slash spicy life. That's S-P-I-C-Y-L-I-F-E or text spicy life, S-P-I-C-Y-L-I-F-E to 500-500. So it's great that we're talking about on um, today's episode, how to heal your relationship with food because um, spicy Mati struggles with this. And it's a well-known fact that my life is crazy, you guys. And my time management is on my vision board. It's a work in progress. I don't always have time to eat a balanced meal, which is why daily harvest is a miracle meal. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner are all nourishing and make me feel and look good. Lord knows I... Uh, weigh myself all the time. It's why I have Jamie Reeves right here to talk me off of a ledge. I want to eat healthier and live healthier. And my spicy life has been completely transformed ever since I started getting Daily Harvest. 
and it's ready in five minutes max. And I have real organic fruits and vegetables where, you know, I can get it right even after I finish, you know, my morning coffee. I just whip it up really quick. Daily Harvest delivers carefully sourced, chef-crafted smoothies, savory bowls, overnight oats, and more built on fruits and vegetables. Everything stays fresh in my freezer until I'm ready to eat it. Choose from more than 500 nourishing options for any time of day. Ready to blend smoothies, savory harvest bowls, soups, and more. Each single serving cup takes one step to prepare. You just add water, milk to a smoothie or heat up the harvest bowl. And I love the harvest bowl with broccoli, rice, and dill pilaf hot out of the microwave because it feels like a cheap meal for dinner, but I'm really being healthy. And also my husband loves it too. When I'm running behind, I just heat it up really quick. Look, I just whipped him up some dinner. <laughs> all of Daily Harvest ingredients are carefully sourced for maximum nourishment and flavor. And you can actually see all of the ingredients when you open the cup. Daily Harvest is the easiest, most delicious way to load up your fruits and veggies first thing in the morning before bed and any time in between. Go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code SPICYLIFE to get three cups free in your first box. That's promo code SPICYLIFE for three free Daily Harvest cups at daily-harvest.com. Once again, the promo code is S-P-I-C-Y-L-I-F-E at daily-harvest.com. And let's get back to getting spiced. Yeah. Okay, today's episode, how to heal your relationship with food and hack your body. <laughs> the body hacking episode. Because this, this really is hacking. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. The same way that like your IT person would like, like hack your computer, you know, mm -hmm. hack into like your cell phone. Like this is hacking into your body. I love this. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you think about it. Can you be panicked if your breath is under control? No, you know, because panic looks, you know, heavy breathing, mm -hmm. you know, it's the chest yeah. pain. It's like mm -hmm. all of the, you know, anxiety that yeah. boiling inside. Yeah. And you know, for all of you out there, this is a great, great example. This is how I understood it for myself. I'm one of those ugly criers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and get ugly, girl. So, you know, it's like, oh, it's like gut wrenching, like spasms, stomach is hurting. And you ever have that moment when you're like full on cry and then you like take that breath and you're like, <sighs> <sighs> oh, yeah. And you're like, OK, I can do this. I can do this. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but in that moment, when you can when you hack your body for that second and you open your chest, you allow breath to enter. Your heart rate slows. The tension in your body eases. The tears stop. Mm. Right. We can do that at will but we lack the confidence and the know-how to do that for ourselves. But if you pay attention, you'll recognize that you've been doing it in random spaces in your life. So confidence plays a part in just the idea of knowing that I'm capable in this moment of controlling this uncontrollable feeling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So once we practice, we get better at it. Absolutely. And then we become confident that, okay, I know when I'm spiraling out of control mm -hmm. or I know when I'm feeling this certain type of way and I'm going to go emotionally eat or, you know, try mm -hmm. to fill this like void that you're talking about. Like this yeah. is something that we feel first before we go to do that thing. Yeah. So we have to acknowledge it, recognize it, and then control it in that moment so that we take our mind off of it. Right. And it, it's, and again, it's beyond just misdirection. You're literally changing the physiological protocol in your body. Yeah. You know, so it's it's absolutely tangible. I mean, sometimes hearing it and hearing myself talk about it is like, girl, stop. But it actually works. Um, another example, 
would be, let's say, I, ha I used to have a client ages ago who, not to give anybody ideals now, but who would braid paper towel and then swallow it to induce purging, mm. right? And it's, that's very aggressive, right? So the, the way paper that towel. you- Yeah, yeah, dry paper Instead of towel. just sticking your finger down your throat. Yeah, okay. very, very aggressive, very phallic too. Um, I'm like, cause as when I'm drunk, I was, I will literally just stick my finger down my throat to get mm -hmm. it out, out because yeah. I'm like, I, I'm too wasted right now. This is not a healthy <laughs> habit either. I'm being honest and vulnerable yeah. with you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the way that you, that you have, you, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The way that you exercise that relationship with food or, or with the, the outcome of ingesting that food mm -hmm. really kind of illustrates where you need to go to start the healing process. So for that particular client, just looking at the way that they were purging, I could tell that they had sexual identity issues. Mm. They had severe control issues and that they were punishing themselves for something, some mistake. Because right? that would hurt you sticking Absolutely. a paper towel down your throat. Yeah. Absolutely. Not only are you going to asphyxiate yourself, not, I don't know how this person survived doing this for years, um, but it's, it's violent in its nature to do that to yourself. So all of these things kind of give you indications of where your pain lives yeah. and then how to address it. Even if it feels, you know, out of reach for you in your conscious mind, your unconscious actions are speaking to you very loudly. So if you're able to listen, you can start to see where the doorway is to walk through. So that sounds like in of, of course clearly an eating disorder right there this mm -hmm. the, um that is the bulimia right when you're right. sticking something down your throat to mm -hmm. make yourself throw up right There's, well it's it's also the 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 binging aspect yeah right so, yeah. so you're overeating and then making yourself throw up mm -hmm. what other eating disorders are there? there's anorexia where you're starving yourself right um <laughs> There's so, so many varieties in the, the diagnostic manual has, has been updated in the last year or two. Um, I like to keep it simple, mm -hmm. right? Give us the basics for those of us who don't recognize, you know, or know what we're looking for right. from, you know, a family member or a friend or, you know, themselves mm -hmm. if they're going through it. The biggest thing I can say is don't diagnose yourself or your family, mm -hmm. right? Diagnosing or di uh, diagnosing, excuse me is for your clinician to do. And it just gives your clinician a pathway to help you. It's a, it's a map. Don't get caught up in what to call yourself because you will inadvertently buy into that label and act out more. Really? I've seen it happen more than, than not. You know, And whether that looks like victimization of self or um, kind of embracing the label, like addicts do this. I, you're a normie. I'm an addict. You don't know how I live my right, life. Right, right, right. Like, uh, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not in a special club, you know? So what I like to do uh, is just explain in general terms to the, to the public, if you're doing something that is painful, mm. that interrupts your ability to enjoy your, your meal, your life, your bathing suit, um, your man, your woman, then that's a problem. And you need to find the appropriate help. What do you, what effects do you see then on the way that it affects your relationships? Then, when yeah. our, how does our food affect our relationships 
when it comes to maybe, you know, someone coming in, they have mm-hmm. an eating disorder. How may that be affecting their relationship? Well, it can, it can destroy a lot of things. So when you have an eating disorder, <clears throat> it's like having a mistress. You have a full-on relationship with this thing, mm. you know? So now it's wedged in between you and your partner. And you've got to decide who you're going to give your loyalty to. Mm. We're preaching right now to mm-hmm. you. Where does your loyalty lie? Yeah, I mean, you think about it. You're holding secrets, right? You've got to make special time for this to happen. You've got to make special arrangements. Most people engage in those behaviors in silence and in hiding. So you're, you're taking time out of your day to go do your secret love mm-hmm. affair yeah. with the food or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Would it... Could it even look like extra working out though? Like what if you're oh, obsessing absolutely. over a workout? Because sometimes we think it's just like overeating and throwing up or starving yourself. Sometimes absolutely. we're overworking out. Yeah, to the point of pain or injury, mm. right? So it's this excessiveness, right? It's, it's about the, the spectrum of intensity that these things show up. For me, having a, a special candy bar that maybe I hide in the back of the cupboard to the left. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, is it interrupting my life? No, you know. But if I know that shame, guilt, um, and trust, yeah, or the lack thereof shows up, that's something to be concerned about. Um, but yes, over exercising to the point of injury, body checking, checking your calories excessively, um, having restrictive food choices, you know, and and. Culturally, especially, you know, in the millennials, I sorry to pick on you for a second. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> with with you know all of these food trends, you know, I want, I need, I need uh, avocado toast only on Tuesdays. <laughs> yeah. The, oh my you gosh, know. quinoa on Wednesdays. Yeah. <laughs> or you know, I'm juicing this week or what have you. Those things in and of itself does not mean that you're being restrictive and and compromising your food intake. But you do have to be careful not to get so caught up in fads like you were talking about with I the I thought that pills. was called discipline, though. It depends. It depends on where it's coming from, right? It's that spectrum of intensity. Mm-hmm. So where I can juice once a month and I'll be fine because it's not impacting my self-esteem, how I value myself or the people around me, yeah. how I engage in life. But Jessica down the street, she's agonizing, counting every morsel that goes into her body. She can't be naked. You know, See, there's she, a shame that comes with yeah. it. So, but then what about the people who, so the people who are, maybe we're obsessing over our weight or the workout mm-hmm. or what we ate. Is there anything attributed to vanity within that? It is this like, you, her having an expectation of beauty in our eyes that also plays mm-hmm. into why we don't think that we're beautiful based on the way that we look. I think that's a, that's an interesting question. Um, Oh, vanity. I'm sure it plays. I feel like that's one of the level. greatest sins. <laughs> yeah. I watch Devil's Advocate. <laughs> <laughs> vanity, definitely, I can see how that could play a part in it. But for at least my experience with clients, is it goes beyond vanity. Mm-hmm. It's no longer about, you know, being a Christy Brinkley or a Naomi Campbell mm-hmm. or any of these girls. Oh my God, Naomi Campbell, bomb. Gorgeous. I, I can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> But it goes deeper than that. It's it's truly insidious how 
how much it robs you of a sense of self. Mm-hmm. It's all consuming. So you could, you could be the ideal beauty and not see it. Your view of yourself is so distorted. So I think it really goes well beyond vanity and, and enters into a very dark space. Yeah. You know, and, and this is kind of nicely goes back to what I said in the very beginning, really being able to see yourself, you know, without the illusion or the expectation or, you know, the, um, the pressure that society or your loved ones, your family may be putting on you. In my master's program, I wrote a paper on body image dysmorphia mm-hmm. and was shocked to learn through so many studies what you mentioned earlier about how many men struggle mm-hmm. with like this He-Man complex yeah. of wanting to, you know, look and feel a certain type of way from, you know, a masculine perspective, how we attribute muscle, you know, mass mm-hmm. to masculinity now and being fit to, you know, mm-hmm. how, you know, masculine a man is. Yeah. And oftentimes us women get all the heat for, you know, having to feel or look a certain type of way, but men are struggling with this thing too Mm -hmm. and maybe not expressing it to their partners or, you know, that they're internalizing and they're not even given or, you know, we don't welcome men's emotions and feelings as much. Mm -hmm. And I often say this on the show that it's harder for them to express themselves because society hasn't welcomed it. You know, we're just getting to a point now where men, it's, you know, okay for men to express self-love and, you know, to share their feelings. (laughs) We want emotional intimacy and like, that's the crave now, you know, and the craze in our relationship, just in society, period. But are you seeing, you know, men coming in who are like, oh my God, I don't think I look good. You know, I think I look fat. You know, are are they struggling with, you know, some of this body image and health issues as well? I think disproportionately it's gay men that are accessing the help. Mm. Um, Why is that? I think because they're not as, they're not, as a community, they're not shy about talking about what is seen. Mm. You know, there is a level of comfortability with aesthetic, with um, body perception, you know. Men, gay men have been given that permission, is that? I think you, you see it in in the community, in the spaces that they hold, yeah. right? Like Pride uh, Parade is a great example, right? All sorts of shapes and sizes are out there proud and loud, and there's, there's space to be seen, yeah. right? Where straight men i find they come in for treatment but at a much lower rate and i think what you said earlier this this kind of cultural perception that you have to be tough you 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 can't admit that you know you need this help that this is a problem yeah but you see it in plastic surgery men Mm. just are more and more getting pec surgery have surgery. surgery. I remember seeing it on MTV one time. (laughs) Now they're getting man weaves. Like it's, it's, I mean, if if that's what you want to do, fine. That's what you want to do. But at what point, again, that scale of intensity, what's going to be enough for you? Well, if they get this surgery into the, you know, with, um, my girlfriend taught me the word, you know, bot, that now chicks are being referred to or men are being referred to as bot bodies. I'd never mm-hmm. heard of that. I was like, what's a bot? Yeah. I'm thinking like a robot. And she was like, no, bot, you purchase, you know, your assets. Right. What does that say? If, if after I have a kid, right, I'm, I want to get the mommy makeover. I want to get, <laughs> I, I plan on getting my boobs, stomach, all of the above. You mm-hmm. guys do not be shocked. But what does that say about my self-esteem if I buy into purchasing 
better physicalness. You know, if mm -hmm. I go and get this surgery is that saying that i'm struggling with self-esteem or is it saying i want to just fix what i don't like about myself i think that's a personal journey you know i try to to stay out of um putting people into boxes because i think when we get into that well girl are, are you ashamed of yourself mm. do you have some issues mm -hmm. now you're shaming them you know when it could just be no. I just want I perky just want... titties. I want to look at them myself. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so we have we all have different reasons for doing things, but again, it's looking in the mirror. What is your truth? You know, if you know that you're doing this for the wrong reason, yeah. be honest with yourself. But that's a very hard thing to do. And that's actually one of the first um exercises that I'll do with a client is mirror work, you know, to talk to the unconscious, to talk to what's hidden. Because we do lie to ourselves on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love mirror work. But also, too, um, and one thing I'll make my clients do is record themselves telling me how they feel about themselves. Mm -hmm. And then we actually look at the videotape and I'm like, do you believe yourself in what you just yeah. said? You just said you love yes. yourself. You just said you think you're beautiful. Do you believe that? Do you believe mm -hmm. yourself in how you're saying this? Because I know when you're happy and I know when you're not and I know when you're convincing mm -hmm. and I'm not convinced in this moment. Or yeah. sometimes, you know, you will see the progress in the message that they're sending and in the work that they're doing. Yeah, and it's it's a transformative uh, transformative experience. Yeah, to be able to confront the lies that you tell yourself. Yeah, you know. So you said step one, you'll do some mirror work. What's step two? Mm -hmm. Step two is to explore what grounding or fu fundamental um, things need to be built up for you. Mm -hmm. So, let's say that as a child you were abused, mm -hmm. right? In that abuse. There's grooming that takes place, which does rob you of identity, self-esteem, um, safety, mm -hmm. all of these things. And even if you feel like I got over that, they linger. Yeah. Right. Still shows up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we need to figure out how do we address these things when they do show up? Because, I mean, I, I know people like to tell the public, you know, you can get through this, you'll be healed, da, 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 da. But it's not as simple as that. It's part of your tapestry. Yeah. It's part of your story. And it's part of your truth. It doesn't have to look like victimization. It could be an empowering um, story in your life. Um, but it's there. Yeah. You, know, you can't deny that it's there. Because the, the moment that you do, it comes back with a vengeance to kind of wreck you. you know? So how do we create... Uh, a new foundation that supports you always coming out as the victor. You the know? victor instead of the victim. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I had to learn and that I continue to learn in my own journey. You know, I'll have days where I'm like, oh, I don't want to get dressed because I can't fit into anything. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. You and yeah. me both. <laughs> And then, you know, I have to think about, okay, do I give in to the despair? Do I give in to that old script that made me a victim? Or do I fall back into my new foundation that says, Queen, you got this. Right. There was nothing you can't wear that mm -hmm. you don't look good in because you wear it. Yep. You know? So it's, it's really having to develop that and to keep it healthy and to keep it alive. And so that's kind of where we branch off into. And then what's the next step after that? The next step is really learning how to accept the integration. Right? What does that look like, the acceptance component? Not denying your story, you know. Um, 
you'll notice, especially with your work, you know, when, when you talk to people and they've shared some things and then it comes up again, yep. they kind of gloss over it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Or, you know, it's like, oh, I told you that? Oh, okay. What I admit was, I was like, nope, actually you said it multiple times. Yes. I remember these moments. Like, clearly it's still, you know, yes. festering. And mm-hmm. no, but I, I, I'm so over that. No, you're not. Because yeah. it comes up, you know, in, yeah. in certain conversations and you don't even realize it. Yeah, and, and being being aware in, in, you know, accepting that it's going to come up again. Yeah. You know, you can't be afraid of the dark forever. You know, uh, it exists, you know. So that integration is is just being able to say, this is a part of my story. Yeah. When it comes up to sneak up on me and, and, and you know, throw that left hook, okay, I'm going to be dynamic. Okay, yeah, I got hit today. But this is how I recovered. This is exactly. how I handled that hit. Exactly. Exactly. I, and, and another good example of, of just that mechanism I don't know if any of you have ever experienced this, but you'll be sitting down, having a good old gay time, kikiing it up, laughing, you know, doing whatever it is that you do. And all of a sudden, you remember fifth grade when you fell down the stairs. A little personal. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody fell down the stairs, okay? Someone Someone in the studio. (laughs) We're not going to point any elbows, point, point. And, you know, all the kids walked over you. You know, no one helped you no. out. Yes. Yeah, I was accident prone. Tragic. Um, and it was highly embarrassing. I wish I was there. I would have picked you up <laughs> and smacked somebody. Don't you walk over her. Well, now I can laugh about it. Yeah. Now I can visualize myself, you know, just laying out on that little platform, my arms out straight, my little legs dangling. It was really short. <laughs> like, I was stuck. You short, but you keep girl. <laughs> I was stuck and I couldn't get up and I was just like awkward. Oh no, you had a Steve Urkel moment. I did. I've fallen I and many. I can't get up. I had many. I, I'm, a clum- <laughs> I'm a clumsaholic. Like I fall, yeah. bump myself all of the time. Mm-hmm. And I've learned to, at a point now, I, and I just fell the other week at running. I was trying to show someone how to go down the little trail. And I'm like, you got to bend your knees like this and slipped and fell on my ass and laughed mm-hmm. about it. Like everyone's yeah. like, are you okay? And I'm like, nope. I've fallen so many times in my life downstairs, down, run you can't, like, at this point, I just laugh about it because yeah. what else am I going to do? Yeah. The embarrassment's not going to serve me any good and I'm not going to finish this hike feeling embarrassed. I want to still enjoy myself. So now yeah. I laugh at myself when I do something crazy. Exactly. You know, and, and this happens to us in every emotional landscape. So for, for my fall, you know, I experienced extreme embarrassment and hurt mm-hmm. that no one would help me. Now, when that hurt revisits me, I'm like, girl, get a grip. <laughs> and, you know, I can laugh about it because I can see the humor in my, in my faults, yeah. in my imperfectness. You know, um, I have a client who, you know, has to go to family events and see her molester mm, on a regular that's basis. got to be tough. Extremely tough. And more of us have to do that than you would think. Yeah. You know, um, something that they were able to work towards was being able to recognize the child that I was who fell victim to this person is now able to protect me today, you know? So in those moments, having a corrective emotional experience, I'm my own protector. You cannot victimize me today. You know, and standing in that strength. So when that thought visits you, accept that it's there, 
but then what do you do right after? Yeah. You know, and that to me is integration is being able to hold these two spaces at once. Saying I want to do a whole episode with you on childhood traumas like that, you know, um, victims of molestation, victims yeah. of, you know, family abuse, that within itself needs a whole episode dedicated to it because you won't believe, you know, how many times on this show we talk about some of our adult challenges when it comes mm -hmm. to relationships, dating, and sex. And it all stems, you know, from our childhood, but then within our childhood, some of the traumas that, you know, we experience and how it plays a huge yeah. major role in us having healthy relationships today. Absolutely. I think that's one thing that I haven't covered enough of that I would like to bring you back in and just like dive into I love it. some of yeah. you know some of those childhood traumas. Um you have to give us a little bit more though when it comes to um healthy eating. eating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I always get and off topic. No, 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 <laughs> no. I, I'm loving this because I don't think that we, I think there's certain things that we try to brush under the rug and a lot of shows, you know, don't want to touch on these hot buttons for, you know, no. the, the, the triggers or the pain. And it needs to be talked about because even earlier you mentioned that some of your childhood traumas like, you know, molestation or, you know, family abuse does create eating disorders. It creates, mm -hmm. you know, alcohol. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of things you know we become addicts from these childhood experiences that we don't even want to acknowledge until you know we're abusing ourselves that it came from or stem from you know our upbringing or childhood and so one of the things that we do here on the show is you know dear spicy and so that's when um someone gets to email us at info at the spicy life and ask us a question and i read it out loud so someone and i was saving this question for when i had you on the show i have someone who asked me you know dear spicy I'm recently engaged and absolutely in love with my fiance. I consider myself an honest individual, but I have a secret that my fiance doesn't know about. I struggled with bulimia for a long time in my early 20s and I have sought help and currently am refraining from overeating and purging. I, decide, I decided to leave my past in the past, but now I'm dealing with the guilt of having not told my partner. So now they're feeling guilty about that. I sh should I share this info while we're planning for the wedding or take it to my grave? Um, and this is tough because they're planning a wedding and I feel you yeah, did not wanting to interrupt. Um, this comes from love retired food slut. That's what they call themselves. Um, that's tough. There's a lot of people planning weddings right now. So congratulations on congratulations. <laughs> planning this wedding and being engaged. Do you yeah. suggest that she reveal this secret and possibly interrupt the dynamics of this joyful time that they're going through mm -hmm. or take it to her grave because she feels like she's healed and not share this with her partner and potentially run the risk of it coming up later still. Right. So this is why I always recommend couples seek premarital counseling mm -hmm. because there are things that, you know, either it's not the right time to bring it up, we're scared to bring it up, or we just simply forgot to bring it up. You know, these things do happen. It's not the end of the world. Um, would I suggest you... Keep it in, until the grave? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. um, secrets keep us sick, you know. So spicy tip right there. Secrets keep us sick. So <laughs> yes. don't keep secrets. Exactly. I mean, there's there's a huge difference between keeping boundaries and you know, uh, you know, having having an understanding of what's for other people's consumption and what's for you. But you you clearly know, as you stated, this is a secret. Yeah. They erode the foundation of trust in a relationship. It doesn't matter. That's why she's feeling the guilt. Exactly. 
Exactly, and that guilt is only going to compound itself the longer that you willfully and intentionally keep this from him. Now, do you want to interrupt your wedding? I can be selfish sometimes. I absolutely would not do it on, my, <laughs> <laughs> on the eve of my wedding. Um, but you, you know your partner. You know, decide for yourself. Maybe even have a conversation with him about, listen, there are some things that I would love to share with you that are, you know, that are hard for me. When can we have the time to sit down and talk about yeah. this? You know, we're planning a wedding. I, I really just want to enjoy this time with you. But at some point, we need to discuss these things. Well, I can foresee part of the fear of being judged. Yes. Part of the, is he going to think less of me? Mm -hmm. Do I even feel like answering his hundred questions? Because, you know, mm -hmm. he's going to want, I'm sure I already know if he's marrying you, he's going to want to know. How is it going to affect us? What it, what does it mm -hmm. look like? You know, how yeah. did I not see this? If it if you know, so that one time that we ordered takeout, you know, and it disappeared quickly, like I can already see it turning into a million questions. Yes. And her probably being like, oh God, now I got to defend mm -hmm. any, anything that's gone on in our relationship. And you know, she says that she's healed and recovered, but now he's going to be looking for signs. Like, and she probably right. doesn't want to deal with some of you know that shame then of. Mm -hmm every time she puts something in her mouth now having to deal with his perception. But at the same time, the truth does come out. Absolutely. And do you want to deal with it? Like the longer that you wait in the lies, only the, the harder that it's going to get in mm -hmm. the marriage. Because if you lie about this, he's going to start thinking, well, what else will you lie about to yeah. me? You know, what, you know, he, he will start looking for other things that she may potentially have lied about. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you, you can't control how someone is going to, respond to the information that you give them. Um, but you, you do have to trust in the relationship that you've built. You know, um, this requires some bravery on, oh, yeah. on their part. You know, um, it's a hard thing to disclose no matter where you are in your journey in recovery. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you, you know your partner best, obviously. Um, so really make a fearless decision on when is a good time to broach the topic. You know, um, I always tell people, you know, you really have to kind of hone in on your own intuition and decide for yourself when to disclose these things because it is your life and yeah. you will have to deal with the outcome. Um, mm, great point. Yeah. You know, but come from a place of courage and, um, love and really give your partner the benefit of the doubt that he's your ride or die and he's going to be there. That part right there. Like, <laughs> he know. is your ride or die. Like, trust in him. If you don't trust that he's going to stay, that then I can understand and I'm questioning mm -hmm. what, hey, if you don't trust that, you know, he, he really is about that till death do us part, sickness right. and health, then maybe that's really where, you know, some of that problem lies. Because you don't know, you know, he may have a gambling addiction he hasn't told you about. Like, he's, mm -hmm. you know, not without, you know, he's not without sin. So we, I mean, we all, and I'm just saying that because, you know, throw the first stone. Like, <laughs> we all are struggling with something. Absolutely. Um, I'm a huge, you know, proponent of tell the truth because it sets you free. Not so much because it's going to make him feel better, but it's going to make you feel better. It's going to make you feel as if, gosh, I really can tell this person everything. I really can entrust this person with my life and well-being. Um, and if it's making you feel guilty, you're going to start projecting. Like if you're already feeling some shame around having not told him, you're going to start overcompensating for some of these lies. Like it's it's a ripple effect. Absolutely. So, you know, to um, Jamie's point, do it on your terms when you feel ready, girl. But 
if you are feeling the guilt right now, it's only going to get worse. So, mm-hmm. but do it yeah. when you want to do it. But yeah, set, set, set aside that time. <laughs> yeah. Transparency is so important in a relationship. Like you really have to decide, is this person your reward, your trophy, or is this your partner? And if he's your partner, then you need to treat him like your partner and give him the information that he needs. Wait, you, know? you just said, is he your reward, your trophy, or your partner? Yes. As if those are three different things of why we choose someone. Elaborate. <laughs> I'm not going to let you get away with that. <laughs> How is someone someone's reward, trophy, or partner? Well, you know, I, I worked all my life. You know, I deserve a good man or a, a nice woman. I earned this. I absolutely earned this. I feel entitled to it. Mm. Um, they're not a fully-fledged, viable person to me. They are what I deserve. They are a prop. Um, and, and wow. Prop kind of ties into the trophy. You're you're less than a reward. You're a a function of my status. You're a like a, a demonstration of yeah. what I earn. You are yeah. the the product of all of my hard work. Absolutely. Uh. And partner is fully realized, actualized, living, breathing expression of what your relationship is. You know, it's it's. They share my my ups, they share my downs. We are in this together. We build each other up. My my flaws, you know, are are complementary to your what's the word? Um, my flaws of, are complementary to opposite your opposite of flaws. I'm blanking. Oh, strengths. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, I wasn't sure if it was a <laughs> medical term. I didn't. Oh, okay, no, strengths. Girl, nope, I need nope. my coffee. That's Pretty what sure that I know that. <laughs> So, you know, we we all have things that we're good at that we're not good at. But if we find the right partner who values, you know, the the good and the ugly about us, you know, and supports what we lack by by, you know, helping us build. Yeah, that's a partner. That's someone I want to get old and die with. Which is why oftentimes, too, um, and I tell people when I'm trying to match them, I know you want someone just like you, but opposites do attract because they balance you out. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think when you get too far away. On this, yeah. (laughs) Don't don't drift a little too far. It's probably really hot sex, but it's probably not going to last. It's like a a flash in the pan that's going to burn bright because it's so exciting, but then it'll it'll die. No, but you still want compatibility. Trust me. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You know, but yeah, absolutely. You don't want a carbon copy of yourself. You, you want someone that can compliment you. Okay. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm here for, I am all about this life right now that (laughs) Jamie is preaching and okay. So, you know, we have to wrap up the show. So I always end with either date or dash or naked truth. So I'm going to do naked truth with you. Okay. If you could have any superpower in the world, what would it be? Mm. Healer. Mm, A superpower that I feel like you already possess, girl. (laughs) (laughs) If you could travel back in time to relive the best thing that ever happened to you, what time period would it be? What would you go back to? The first time I won an award for a story that I wrote. I was seven, I think. And um, it was put into the local library. Oh, yes. I was very, very what? proud of myself. I love that. That's a sweet <laughs> little memory. See, yeah. and these are, you guys, you know, I do this. You need to be asking these on dates as well yeah. um, when you go out with someone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you could be anyone for the day, who would you be? Who would you swap bodies with? You're just swapping their body for one day. 
Naomi Campbell. She's my spirit animal. Ooh, look, I love her. Wait, she is your spirit animal? <laughs> yeah. Okay, because she is a fierce little chicky boom boom. She is. Okay, so Naomi Campbell, we got it. Okay, and then let everybody know where they can find you. We have to wrap up the show, but I want people to be able to seek your services. I want them to be able to learn um, more about your program and what you offer, but also... Um, you know, reach out to you if they have any questions, slide through Absolutely. her DMs. Let us know where, where they can reach you. Well, I'm on Insta. I'm not heavily active, but I do read my messages. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Jamie LFMT, or LMFT, excuse me. Um, and then my website, Jamie at JamieRevePsychotherapy.com. And that's J-A-I-M-E, like Jaime. Like Jaime. Don't okay. spell it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and you guys can always play with my Twitter or stroke my Instagram at Spicy Madi. Make sure that you follow us on The Spicy Life and make sure you subscribe, download this episode, share it with a loved one. If you really do love someone, pass it on. And there you guys have it. You have just been spiced. The Spicy Life.